Well, most of you guys know me, but for those that don't, I'm Chris. Uh, I have a lovely wife, right back there. And I have six kids, so uh, we're busy at home all the time. Um, and But Sundays are great because I get to... I do the, like the, I would call them the senior youth pastoring. So I have the kids that are like, uh, well now, like fifth grade and all the way through senior. And then once a month, I get to talk to the adults. So my kids call it big people church. Dad, do you get to do big people church this week? So you guys are the big people. So so today is kind of a different day. Um, you know, I, I like to teach about relevancy, you know, things that really matter. And, uh, you know, I'm a construction worker. So sometimes construction workers are kind of a tough crowd, you know. Big Gen Z will tell you. You know, you never know what you're going to run into on a job site. Um, but the, really the cool thing is, though, is I get to talk to a lot of different people. And this is a conversation that I had with, uh, with one of those people. Um, I was talking to him, uh, a guy that I've known for probably five or six years, you know. And he knows I'm a Christian, you know. And I've talked to him a little bit about God. And his perception, though, of God is something that I've really never really talked to him about. So one day I talked to him. And I, and I said, uh, this is what I said. I said, so where does God fit in with, uh, with your thoughts, you know, with life, you know? And my observation of his life was, he seemed like a guy that just kind of uh, went through the motions, you know, um, a guy that uh, maybe didn't really observe, well, he observed life, but maybe really didn't live it, you know? And I thought, man, he's just, it seems like he's missing out on so much. And knowing that he wasn't a believer, I knew that he was missing out on so much. So, you know, I, so I have this conversation. And I ask him that, and this is, this is what he says. First, he does this. You know, like when your headlights hit a deer and the big glowing white eyes, you know, and it was kind of like that. But he's a really smart guy, so he just kind of stopped and he didn't say anything for probably about, I don't know, three or four or five, probably three minutes, you know. It's probably like 30 seconds, but it just felt like that, you know. So um, so as I'm looking at him, I'm thinking in my head, you know, I'm, I try to figure out what he's going to say, you know. So I'm going through all this stuff in my head, and he finally, he says this. He says, why would I believe in something or someone that only takes away the health and the wealth of me and my friends? And I thought, I kind of, I probably had the same look in my eyes, you know, like, you know, I, you know, because I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't quite expect that. And then I immediately go to this. I'm like, how can you not appreciate what's around here? You know, I mean, it might sound kind of funny, but look at that seat. You know how much technology it took to make that seat? Your hand. You know how God designed that to move. I mean, I love this movement right here. That's my favorite movement, you know? Yeah. So I really, I, I appreciate how, you know, just the thought of moving my finger and being able to do it and how beautiful that is. I think about uh, like sand or a snowflake, how different each one is, you know, and how God says that 
you know, our, descend, our descendants are uh, as many, will be numbered as many as, as the sand. I mean, how different each one is and how many pieces of sand, how many grains of sand, and he's going to make that many of us. I mean, that, that's amazing to me, right? So the complexity of that. And I thought, well, that's probably what it is. He just doesn't appreciate what God has made, you know. And that's, that's kind of what I thought, you know. But that's, that was far from it. I mean, it, it was so far from what he was thinking. You know, I was caught up on the fact that, wow, you know, I looked at uh, like a maggot and a vulture, you know. I mean, they're ugly. They're disgusting. But they are magnificent and beautiful in what they do. You know, what they do might be ugly. But they're designed specifically to do that. And if they didn't do that, maybe you would have to do that, right? And that right there is magnificent, <laughs> right? So, so, you know, I thought that what he did was he was just kind of writing off life as fate, you know, accepting things as they were. Um, in other words, how about uh, accepting creation without acknowledging that there is a creator, you know, that everything is just happenstance. So that, that's what I thought. So that's what I asked him, and he said, no, that's not it. And I'm like, well, and so I immediately go to plan B. Oh, well, it must be just the grind of work. I mean, how many of you guys know the grind of work, you know? Maybe the grind of life. Sometimes it just kind of sucks it right all up, just out of you. You know, the motions are the same every single day. Uh, sometimes a job or a relationship sometimes will just feel like it sucks the life out of you. No, not my marriage, though. My marriage is always awesome. Right, honey? That's right. That's right. Yeah. But sometimes, though, we lose our identity in those things, right? And I could identify with that. I could, I could see that because I've been there, you know? Um, Maybe your dreams aren't what you thought they would be or reality is different from what your dreams are. And because of that, that changes your perception. So I thought, for sure, that has to be it. You know, because he looked like, um, you know, he, he, he wasn't processing what was around him. It was kind of like, in my notes here, I put, it's like a numbing feeling. You know, can you imagine being a baker? Now, I, who likes to eat uh, high carbs that are sweet? I am really about those, you know. I love those, right? So just imagine going like the best bakery and smelling the, the, the baked goods outside the door. But see, now you're the baker. And for you, maybe that's not a great smell. Maybe for you, your, your senses are just numbed. I mean, I mean, how bad would that stink? I mean, especially if you love baked goods, you know. But I, I think sometimes that's how it is, you know. You, it just kind of numbs you, um, kind of a purposeless life instead of a purposeful life. So I figured that had to be it, you know. But in reality, that wasn't it either. Um, so I asked him what, what he meant again, and, and this, is, this is what he said. He says, well, 
Why does he always hurt me and those around me? Then he just kind of stopped, you know. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a crier much, you know, probably at all. I don't know if my kids have really ever really seen me cry. But when I think about this conversation, you know, it really does, uh, it strikes a chord. So he, said, so he says, says that to me, you know. And then he says, you know, why, why do my dreams and my goals seem like they just get taken away from me? You know, why do I see my, my friends and my family going through financial hardships, you know, losing their house and their job or whatever, you know? Why do I see all those things? You know, and I'm going to change this phrasing here, but why does God show us the ugliness of the human mindset, right, through perversion and violence? Why does he do that? Why is there drug addiction? Why is there alcohol addiction? Why are those, why are those things? And what does it mean? That's what he was really asking. He was asking what it meant. Why? You know, and then I realized that his answer was really profound. You know, and it was something that I needed to think about. And here's the thing is, is I got that. I understood that. But here's the thing, though, is I could not agree with that. Right? How many of you guys have had conversations with friends and relatives that you understood right where they were at, but you did not agree with that, right? I think that's how God prepares us. He prepares us through all of our trials and our tribulations as believers and unbelievers for such a discussion as that. And if we're in the Word, if we understand what Proverbs says, you know, we're studying, you know, books about wisdom right now. And if we're prepared with that word, then we've got the answer. It's right there on our, on our fingertips or on your iPad, on the tip of your tongue, right? right. So I, I think that's fun. So as I was talking to him, you know, I just realized how down, downtrodden he was, you know, and I realized what he was missing was this. He was missing hope. He was missing the hope that Jesus Christ provides, Right, because that's really the root. When we talk about a tree, or you know, you, you get caught up in what does a tree look like? I, I love trees. I love trees because I get to hunt out of them. Right? I love trees because they build houses out of them. Right? Then I get to stone over top of them. You know, you know. But what I really like about trees it is the first thing it does is what it gives off oxygen, so we can live. I mean, I think that's pretty important. Right? That's a pretty good deal. So, um, but just think about what a tree looks like. You know, it's got the bark. And, you know, I remember <laughs> my dad, I'll appreciate this. If my mom was here, she'd appreciate this too. My dad planted a bunch of pine trees when we first moved into our house in Clarkston, right? And it was, my dad had to probably think it was my goal to run over every one of those with the lawnmower every week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm telling you... I did a good job, he said. And I'm telling you what, right now, though, I probably hit those things probably three or four times a year. They have to be 20 foot tall now. <laughs> That's a resilient tree, you know. So here's the thing about trees, though, is that we get caught up with how they grow, 
get caught up in how many branches they get and how many leaves they have. But really what God's wanting to show us is what's below the trunk. As that tree gets bigger and bigger, the roots get deeper and deeper, right? You know, when they talk about life-giving tree, that's what they're talking about. And that's what my friend was, was missing. He was missing the root. What's at the bottom of the root? And that's hope. That's hope in Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. So, so when I could finally figure out what he was talking about, you know, I realized that his perception of God was this. He was a dictator. Kind of an ogre. You know, but with a really nasty personality and maybe an awful uh, humor, you know, because he didn't he didn't understand God in his entirety. I like to think of it when he when he started talking to me, he changed my perspective per, perception on how to look at something. He looked at it from a different angle, and because of that, he stretched my perception too. So that's where I was at with him. Um, when I was talking to him, you know, I could see he had more to say. And then he said, uh, you know, like, like this, for instance. And I'm like, like what? And he says, well, and he had sunglasses on, you know, and I couldn't see his eyes. But then he said, well, you know, two weeks ago I was diagnosed with tongue cancer. I'm like, here's a guy that's already going through a lot. I think he was thinking about God a lot, you know. Where does that fit in with him? Because if God isn't your Savior, isn't number one in your life, the C word takes on the big C, and the God word takes on the little G, right? Because it was so much bigger than him. And as he's talking to me, He's breaking down. I mean, I can see, like, you know, tears, you know. And I can see, uh, I can see that his heart is breaking. It's one thing, though, to, to see it, but it's another one to actually hear it. You know, and I swear I could hear it. And as he's talking, though, I can see, like, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of walls, Right? I mean, I I used to be really good at those, you know. And as he's talking, I can can see the stones falling. And every time they hit the ground, you know, the big dust cloud. It's like my buddy Chris Lenoy, when he slides into second base, he always goes in head first. I always tell him he looks like a big sack of flour. (laughs) He hits the dust and it poof. And it's the same thing. You know, these rocks falling and I can see it coming down and I can, I can appreciate it and I can understand it. And it was beautiful. I mean, at Easter I got to speak about grace and how violent grace is. And it's the same thing with this. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see because God puts you in a spot to be ready to do something, Right? And I was ready. So here's the thing. We live this uh, life full of trials, 
you know, of victories, of, um, of joy. You know, the Holy Spirit guides us through all of it. And what does that mean, you know, for people that are unbelievers? That's, you know, that conscience is telling you right from wrong, you know. You know, it's God trying to prompt you into doing the right thing, you know. Because you know when you do the wrong thing. I mean, even my two-year-old knows when she does the wrong thing. I don't think she understands the Holy Spirit yet, but she knows, you know. And you can see the chocolate in her face when she says she hasn't had a cookie, <laughs> you know. So she knows. Um, but here's the thing is that all, the, all these things, they, they, uh, they birth a lot of different things. I'm going to relate it to this. Um, how many of you guys have ever boogie boarded? That's really fun, right? So there's one time I was uh, in Vero Beach, and, you know, they had like this big surfing contest going on, right? So when we could see down the beach, we could see the big crowds, you know, uh, way down a few miles away. And every once in a while you'd see guys in their wetsuits, they'd walk by, you know, with their boards. And I'm telling you, these waves were huge. It was during hurricane season. I'm telling you, they were monsters. They were probably, I don't know, 15-foot high waves, you know. <laughs> Nobody was on the beach. And I'm thinking, man, this is perfect, man. So I'm out there, and I'm just getting hammered. I mean, I'd get up on these waves, and they would throw me down. And I'd be like 10, 12 foot in the air. And then it was, he, it was like he pulled the chair out from under me, and I would just slam right down to the wet sand. I mean, my chest was like hamburger. I mean, I, and I was probably out there for 45 minutes. Well, I didn't notice that they put these big red flags out, <laughs> you know. And I just got hammered down on one of those, those. Actually, no, I just came in on one of them, and I actually made it all the way to shore without getting hurt. And there were two surfers walking by, and the guys look at me, and they're like, how long have you been out here? And I don't know, like 45 minutes. He goes, you know, they closed the beach down over an hour and a half ago. You could die out there. You know what a rib curl is? You know, I'm like, wow, you know. And Kristen, when I walked back up, she goes, I cannot believe you were out there. I didn't tell her for a little while that they closed the beach, you know. Because <laughs> that would just confirm a lot of things in her head. Not too smart sometimes, you know. You know, gets caught up in having the fun part. But it's just like that boogie board, though. You, you know, you, you set yourself up for failure. You know, I mean, when you hit the sand really hard, that's failing, you know. Um, but you also set yourself up, though, to succeed. And then when you do hit the wave just right, it is, if you've ever done it, it's absolutely euphoric. Because it doesn't feel like anything. It's like when you hit a home run. <laughs> I don't do them often, John, I'll tell you. But when you hit it just right, you can't even feel it hit off the bat. It just goes. Thomas will tell you he does that all the time. So it's just like that, though, you know, where he sets us up for victories. And, he's, and sometimes my dad used to always tell me, it's, wait, it's easy to quit, you know. The victories happen a lot of times because of past failures, you know. And that's what my friend hadn't got to yet. You know, he was so caught up in all the failures that he saw around him, all the hope that he thought was lost, all of those things that he's sick of people yanking the carpet out from under him. And then nobody there to tell him why 
or to counsel them through it or to explain things or, or to give a, a sound answer, a wise answer. Lots of people have lots of knowledge but no wisdom in when and where to give it, right? Yeah. So, and, I, and how do I know these things? I mean, it's through studying the Word of God, you know? So when he, when he asked me, he says, why does he always take and he never gives? And that was my opportunity to talk to him. But he was right. God is a taker. But he's so much a giver too. And once we understand that these awful things that seem to happen in our lives from time to time, these trials and these tribulations, once we see that they work towards the greater of something other than what we think selfishly of our own world. Does that make sense? Where it all kind of hits together. Then you can see how God thinks. You know, he stretches, he looks beyond. So let's look at Romans 8.28. Hopefully I'm not right in the way I am. So when it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, he says he works in all things. Every single one of them. Good or bad. What we perceive as good or bad. You know, I, I, that's kind of, that's how big God is. God uses every single thing. I love what Krista said that the things that we go through in life, you know, what we perceive as awful, but they shape us into something. It's how we handle ourselves after the fact. Man, that's such a big life lesson right there. Yeah. And my friend, he hadn't been able to get through that yet. And what a concept for somebody that doesn't believe in God. Right? What a concept that would be. You're telling me that that awful thing is actually going to glorify God. How is that going to happen? But somebody gets saved. Somebody dedicates their life to the Lord. Infinite changes. Their son or daughter's perception on God. Their grandkids' perception on God. Their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their wife. Wow. Next thing you know, you've changed the world. And it might be what you think is your small world. But it can be so much bigger than just that. I read a letter the other day about a Bible that was sent uh, over to um, it was Hong Kong or China. One Bible that was sent, they wrote a letter back saying that they had preached to over 40,000 people from that one Bible, and he requested another Bible. <laughs> I mean, how quick are you sending that dude out another Bible? I'm thinking pretty quick, right? That guy's getting one right away. He's going to get mine. Right? So, yeah, I mean, that's just awesome. So, so here's the thing. is uh, You know, Pat, the last three weeks have been talking about holiness of God. You know, what it looks like and how to achieve it. Um, and I really believe it is critical for our walk, you know, as believers and non-believers that are pushing towards that is that we have to we have to believe in our walk with Christ we have to 
understand our relationship with God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, those are the most important, visible things that people will ever see, right? Or hear. That we have to pursue those things, but as we're pursuing them, I think a fruit is you should be building bridges. You know, when you're in your automotive shop and you have unbelievers that work for you, are you building a bridge? So that when a trial comes up to somebody that doesn't know God, that you're there. That that bridge, they can jump on the bridge and walk to you. Or you can jump on the bridge and walk to them. Because if you're not, what are you doing? Who's doing the giving and the taking in that situation? You know, that's tough. That's a tough thing to say and it's a tough thing to hear. You know, I've been guilty of taking and not giving, you know. But you always get another chance. How many of you guys know that? You don't succeed once. How many times is God going to throw it right back at you? Until you get the lesson, man. (laughs) Then after that... You might get trialed a couple more times. Maybe. I'm just saying maybe. So if it's that hope that we're desiring, you know, that chase or that chase that we're after, you know, chasing God, truly chasing him with the right heart, with the right desire, what does that look like to unbelievers? Uh, how many of you guys are in sales at all? Anybody know uh, Zig Ziglar? Right? Yeah. See, everybody that knows sales knows Zig Ziglar. He's a Christian guy, too. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, he's a really cool dude. Uh, do you remember where he's from? Yahoo, Mississippi. Or Wazoo. Wazoo, Mississippi. Yeah, it's a crazy name. It's always funny. Well, anyway, so here's the thing, though. One thing that I learned from him was, um, is, and it, this applies to Christians, too, is a sale requires the transference of ownership. So if I have a Cadillac, I'm trying to sell you a Cadillac. i got to sell you the Cadillac. you got to agree to buy it, right? And he said, how do you do that? You do that through feeling, right? If you think your Cadillac is the best car that's out there, you have to make sure that they understand that's the best car out there. And they got to feel the same way before they're going to buy it. As Christians, we got to make sure that we're doing that, right? That the feelings that we have about God about the hope in Jesus Christ that we have, about the guidance that the Holy Spirit is going to give us, we have to transfer that feeling to other people. And they have to be able to see it. And it has to be real. Because if it's not real, then it's not worth anything. You can just take your Bible and throw it out. Right? So it's a transference of ownership, of the feeling that we have. That's how you build those bridges. Now, read, we're going to read this. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a, long, but a longing fulfilled is, is uh, the tree of life, right? So hope deferred, postponed. If you guys postpone talking to somebody about this stuff, it's suffering, right? I love the definition of, of deferred is put off. I mean, how many conversations you guys put off? A lot of conversations, you know. You can't put them off. It says it's 
It'll make your heart sick. It'll make you weary, tired. You know, it'll just pull you right down, suck all the strength right out of you, right? But I love it that it says a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. It's a wellspring of life. It's that tree we were talking about. It's the abundance. It's the growing, right? It's the root. It's the deep root. And we have to have that hope. We have to show it. So what happens when we're able to do that? Then we can show what giving and taking means. You know, I love this about God. God will give you humility, but what's he going to take away? Pride, right? He'll give you peace, and he'll take away chaos in your life. How many of you guys have some chaotic relationships? How many of you guys actually are used to the chaos? And if it was gone, it would be kind of weird. Yeah. It's a good thing to be gone with the chaos, though. Right? So, uh, how about, um, where am I at here? Life or death. He's going to give you life in place of death. In Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, we're told here that, that um, God offers you two things. He offers you life or death. And then he pleads that we would choose life. When God pleads to you to choose life, to choose his hope, that's a powerful thing. You know, and he pleads those things to you. I love that, that God is a taker. And John the Baptist said it the best. He sees Jesus walking. He's baptizing people in the Jordan, right? And he sees Jesus walking. And in John um, chapter 1, verse 29, he sees him from a long ways off, and he says, Behold, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He takes them all away. He heals us, Right? And they have to hear it from our mouth. And they have to see it in our ways. This is a scripture that I, see, that I, uh, I shared with my buddy. Um, and it's John 5, verse 24. It says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my words and believes, and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It will not be condemned. This last part's so important because he's crossed over from death into life. He's traded it in. He's a taker and a giver. So what's God's holy challenge for you guys? So I'm just going to read right from my notes here. What it means is we have to die from our own selfish desires. Your idea of fair is nothing like God's idea of fair. Right? Stop holding on to what God is trying to take from you and grasp what God is trying to give you. And those are the treasures that we should be pursuing. It's hard when I see my buddy's face 
you know, because he's not quite there yet. He's getting closer and he's getting closer. So my job isn't complete yet. As believers, we have to live selfish or selflessly, right? We have to take our schedules that seem so important and throw them aside at times so that we can maybe have a conversation that we don't want to have with that one person that maybe we don't even really like all that much. The Bible says, though, you've got to love them, right? And you have to make time and you have to sacrifice, right? So I, I would challenge you here. I, I give you God's challenge. What needs to be left here? Is cancer going to be the big C or is God going to be the big G? You know, everybody has one of those things in their life. Or if they don't, praise God because those are the people that you want praying for you, right? But the ones that have, instead of the big G, they've got the other one, whatever it is. Those are the people that need to come down and be prayed for at this altar right now. There's a lot of people that have conquered a lot of things here. Praise God for that, you know. Praise God for that. I've seen some miracles in people's lives that makes me proud to know them. It makes me a better person because you guys are in my life. I mean, it's just an awesome thing. I mean, just awesome. I'm talking all over the world, life changers. Sometimes your world's right here just in Fenton or Linden. Yeah. All right. So, so I'd like to pray with you guys. I'd like to pray that you guys would, uh, you know, maybe I could get Isaac up here strumming a little bit. He's hanging. There he is. Um, have these guys kind of dim the lights down. Open up the altar here for you guys. You guys need some prayer. Come on down. I'm also going to offer you guys, uh, you know, as believers or unbelievers, we all have to have to know basic things, right? Sometimes we just need to be uh, reminded of the hope. So here's the hope. The hope is Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, there's no peace. There's no eternal life. Those are hard things for people that don't believe in him to hear. But those are true things. I love that God says that his word of God, this iPad, but what's in it, is a sword. For me, you know, I'm kind of a macho kind of a guy, you know. You know, I appreciate that because it's a sword. It's something that I can throw. I can wield around. I can cut off. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's just a great example, a great visual for me, right? That's what his word says. His word says that if you don't call on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will not be saved. I want to see every one of you guys in heaven, every single one, right? So there's a, a, a basic thing that you have to do. You have to admit that you're a sinner, right? You have to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord that he came back on this earth, right? 
He came to this earth to, to die for you on a cross. He rose from the dead in three days, walked the earth for 40 days, just so you could see him in heaven. But the last thing you have to do is you have to confess him as your Lord and Savior. You have to call out on him. If you haven't called out on him, you need to.